Hello and welcome to episode two of Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. And I'm Chris W. And we have the podcast now up on all the major podcast platforms. So uh, you've obviously already found us. So like and subscribe on your major podcast platform. And today we'll be discussing a brief overview of uh, recent West Ham news, as followed by a manager discussion, then a formation discussion, talk about which ones we think are the best ones and also which ones uh, West Ham should use to their advantage. And then also we'll have a look ahead at next week's game against Liverpool. Yeah, so let's get started right on, on the recent West Ham uh, news of the week. Uh, we like to keep it pretty light-heart, lighthearted on this podcast, so I hope you guys enjoy. So the first up, uh, the game today against Man United was postponed due to a bad storm. Uh, do you think this was good for us, Chris? You know, I do. I think we have more time to implement Suchek and Bowen into the lineup. And I think also it gives Moyes a little bit more time to find the exact formation he wants to use. We've we'll talked about it a little bit later, but uh, we've been switching up a little bit on, uh, you know, what players are available and um, how he wants to implement those. And I think that this weather break will give us a good extra week to really, really get that in. Yeah, I think I think it ultimately will, will be good for us. I think we really weren't looking at a, a favorable result if we did play the game today. I think, you know, uh, our, our bench has suggested the last few weeks that our squad was really light. Hopefully this this short reprieve gives us a little more time to get uh, more players fit before we play Liverpool next. And even though we will have to play the game again in the future, I do think it gives us more time to to get everyone integrated into the squad. Yep, I think also we expect uh, Anderson to come back, which will be really good. And Yarmolenko is a little bit behind Anderson in the recovery, but uh, he is coming back pretty soon. So hopefully he'll be there for Liverpool. But if not, uh, we expect him for the game after that. Yeah, so uh, going right into our next piece of news, the Liverpool game on January 29th saw an unfortunate event in which a uh, a volunteer flag bearer was suspended for the rest of the season for wearing a quote uh, a shirt that had source of danger nuisance or annoyance to any other person according to the the official statement that that was posted i think this was a really bad move it, it was just another another piece to to fan the flames of against the board what do you think chris yeah, I agree. I think they could have maybe at the most suspended him for the game or asked him to leave, maybe even change his shirt or cover it up. But I think it was an mm-hmm. overreaction. They took away uh, his season pass for the rest of the, the game. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I understand why, why they weren't happy, but uh, I mean, he was just, you know, it's a position that we have every game, just holding a West Ham flag and you know, the security kind of messed up, not getting, not catching him with that shirt on. But uh, I mean, a lot of the fans feel that it's bored out. I think you and I are kind of at least softly bored out at this point. And, and, and this wasn't a good look. And I think it really angered people. And I, it doesn't really accomplish anything for them. I think so. I think it, you need to allow the fans to express their views, express how, you know, any way, whether good or bad, uh, press and things like that. So I think that uh, this was not the exact or right decision. I think we could have come to a better. Um, better outcome but you know we we are where we are so you can't change it and uh, that concludes our brief news and up next is the manager discussion hello and welcome to green eggs in west ham next up we have a discussion on if we have the right manager at the club chris why don't you start us off let's look at how we got to our current manager yeah so i'm going to take us all the way back to our last season at the bowen we had slavin bilic uh 
at the time, man, we were firing on all pistons there. We had a really great season. It, it was just a great, great memories for the team. Uh, but then we moved to London Stadium, promises of pushing on to the next level, getting some European football, even getting to be consistent Champions League players. It really didn't work out. Slavin was fired in, in November of 2017. We were, we were at a very dire position. We replaced Moyes just as a caretaker manager to keep us up. He did that at the time, but not a lot of flash with, with that team and got the job done, but, but didn't push us too far up. The board eventually let him go as, as a lot of the fans didn't think he was, he was there to take us to the next step. Brought in, brought in a really class manager, had a lot of uh, a, a good pedigree in Manuel Pellegrini that season, that summer. Gave him a lot of money to spend at that time. Brought in a lot of what we thought could be exciting players. Some of them panned out. Some of them didn't. That first, that first season under Pellegrini was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of growing pains. But we saw some really exciting football. That brings us to this year, Manuel Pellegrini's second year. Uh, started off up and down and then just really took a nosedive. And it got to the point where a lot of fans wanted him out and eventually the board agreed, fired him. We had a, we had a little short search for manager, but we ended up getting Moyes again, a second, second stint. So here at this section, we're going to kind of examine, do we think it was right to fire Pellegrini? And do we think that Moyes was the right man to replace him? You know, I think that's a good topic. I Let's first start with Pellegrini. And when I came in uh, to the club, Pellegrini had a great first few games, say his first five or six. Uh, we had a really good run. And, you know, everything looked really promising coming off the of summer. We had just gotten Hilaire, a huge a forward and big money coming to the club. And then uh, now uh, things, you know, things changed. And uh, we obviously in December, we fired him right before the new year. Uh, I think things were going downhill as things progressed, I didn't see his substitutions as being good. I thought they were tactically uh, in error. I also thought that his formations, it seemed like they, he kept the same players and didn't really try anything new. And I think I, at the end, I got sick of seeing a system that's not working keep, you know, show up on the pitch uh, week after week after week. Yeah, I definitely think we, we were stagnating under Pellegrini towards the end. He obviously had the ability but but some maybe question his his drive and desire having already kind of won won the premier league won a lot nothing really to prove and some people say he was just there for a payday but yeah i agree with you the we didn't seem like we were trying anything new we just kind of seemed to be accepting the poor results and not really trying to learn from it uh his buyout did seem to be a little bit of a stopping point it seemed that maybe uh, the price of his, buying out him and his backroom staff kind of extended his stay uh, at the club for a little bit. And then yeah, now it's... It, it was a big, uh, big move to decide to, I mean, it was millions and millions and millions of dollars to get him out now instead of waiting till the end of the season. Um, you know, after that, we hired David Moyes and he got off to a, a fiery start for, for the first one or two games. Uh, we had a huge wins uh, and then things had been kind of downhill. Uh, you know, I personally believe that he is the right guy for the job. Um, I think he's kept us up before. He knows the team. <clears throat> I think he's doing an okay job. I uh, agree a lot with his subs. And even though maybe the last game I didn't, uh, I think for the most part, he's been good tactically as well. Um, and I also believe that uh, he, he's he got a tough 
run ahead of them. You know, we got to the hardest part of our season right here, right as we thrust them into it. And now people are mad that, you know, we've started losing a lot, but we're playing Liverpool. I mean, we just, you know, today we're supposed to play Man City. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think we definitely waited too long to fire Pellegrini. I think that has had an adverse effect on Moyes because he really came in right as the transfer window started. And I think we saw, besides the signing of Randolph, it really took a while for him to to get the right targets and get them in the door. The, you know, deadline day, the day before deadline day is really when we got the last few people in. Uh, and I think let's, – let's look at the search for a minute. I think – at the time we fired Pellegrini, I think it was the right move to fire him. But when we look at who's available, there really wasn't a lot of options. Some people mentioned Ancelotti. There have been rumors. I think X X WHU employee reported that he just wasn't interested in our club. And I th- I can't blame a lot of the top managers at that point. We we looked like a train wreck. We have I mean we have good players that I think a proper manager can motivate. But I think that out of what was available and who we had, Moyes might have been the best option. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you look at the managers that were available to us and you know, say who would be better than Moyes, I really believe it's tough to find one that uh, is better than Moyes out of the options we had. Now, obviously, in the summer, you know, we signed him to an 18-month uh, contract. So I, he's here for the short term. Uh, maybe we look for one in the summer. I think if he keeps us up, uh, we may – you know, we'll see if we, if he doesn't keep us up, I think he's for sure gone. But um, I also like the two coaches he just brought in. I think um, he brought in Nolan and I'm really excited about him. Uh, yeah. I think Nolan's, I think Nolan's big. He He's obviously a character with, with a lot of fight, a lot of fire. I think, you know, we, we, we keep talking about it. We have the talent on paper, but we we haven't really motivated that talent, got the talent in the in the position to succeed. So I, I think hopefully Nolan can at least from bring the motivational aspect. Uh, and as far as tactically, we 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 you know we have a, I do like a lot of Moise's subs. So I think in combination it could work well. I agree. And if you look at Pellegrini's uh, decline, kind of towards the end. You know, we were losing games that we shouldn't have been losing. We were making these subs. Like I said, we had tactical errors. I mean, everything was going wrong, and people were getting fed up, and he lost the fan support. And so at that point, you know, how can you tell me that he's the right guy to stay when zero people believe in him? His players were even, you know, they liked him for a long time, but eventually it got to the point where they were uh, they were getting sick of it too. So I do think we needed to replace the coach at that time. What would you yeah. say? Yeah, and I think even I think we we did need to replace it. I think we we weren't we were having a run of poor results, but it not just not just losses, but losses that looked like we didn't even show up. We had no no attacking flair, no chances on goal really, and and we we're just shipping in goals left and right. It really looked like a dire moment. Uh, but Moyes, obviously the the first the first game was great for him. He we won four zero against Bournemouth, seemed to get a bump. Since then, it's, it hasn't proven to be as magical, but I think a lot of it's the matchups we had, and we really were just a couple a couple poor breaks from getting more points. I mean, the Sheffield United game, the really, uh, let's just say, bad VAR decision that cost us a point there, and then uh, we really should have had three points at Brighton. I think part of that is to blame on him, that that tie, but but he at least, I think, was at least partially to blame for the success we had in the first half. And so I think both you and I agree that that we have, at least for the moment, the manager that we need to keep us up. Beyond that, we'll see. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting when we get to our positional analysis and what kind of formations he's been trying compared to what Pellegrini uh, played. It, it is interesting because at least he is trying different things. You know, we played a really tough game against Liverpool and we tried a new formation, a newer formation, I guess, than what we've been playing the pre, um, for the, the first uh, half of the season. And, you know, I kind of like that he's trying it, but um, we'll get more into it in, in formations. But uh, it's also going to be interesting how he builds Suchek and Bowen and he's got some two more weapons. So um, I think besides that, uh, we'll close up our manager discussion. Do you have any last comments, Chris? No, stick around for we we discuss which formations we think are best to fit our players and, and our best lineup going forward. All right, welcome back to Green Eggs and West Ham. This section we're going to take a look at uh, the different formations that we think our team can set up in, the different the benefits and downsides of each formation, and ultimately we're going to give our strongest side. So the different formations we're going to talk about today are the four four two, the five three two, and the different variations of the four five one. Starting with the four four two, Chris, give us a little rundown on the formation. All right, four four two. You've seen West Ham play it a lot. Uh, it's the most common formation in world soccer, and uh, you see it a lot in the Premier League as well. Uh, really, you have to build your formation around the players you have, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and once you get past that, uh, you got to look at what you know attacking defense, defensive or middle third are you having trouble with, and um, this one really allows for uh, good control at the back, and then you know some counter attacks and. Uh, getting a few players forward if uh, if you need numbers up there. The four midfielders, you can have the wingers run up. Um, it, you know, <clears throat> look, it helps to control that back part of the field. And if you really are having trouble with the attack, you can pass it back and switch the field. So I like it. Yeah, one thing I really like about this formation is it gives you a lot of variation in the attack. I think having the two strikers up top is key, but it also allows for for two wingers. So and I think... I think our team has a lot of wingers in it, and so this this formation is good to kind of give us a lot. One area we could be a downside, though, is, is it could leave us a little weak in midfield, depending on uh, kind of the work rate of, of the different players around them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about leaving us a little bit weaker, but I also believe that the formation sets up us to be strong in the midfield. It's just sometimes the players. So uh, this formation could require a lot of speed uh, just because if you have – you know, two fullbacks that can um, that can come up and help support the midfield while the midfield wingers are up attacking. Uh, you know that that can be game changing. That can really help you control it. But if you don't have the speed and you don't have players that are going to work incredibly hard each and every time for the ball, um, then then you can get caught up and uh, and it can be a defensive nightmare. Yeah. So all in all, a fairly a fairly balanced uh, balanced formation, and I, th- I think there are some good positives we can take from it. Uh, next, let's talk about the five-three-two. One of Moise's more fa- uh, favorite formations. It's kind of a, a lot of times park the bus. What do you think about it, Chris? You know, I think this formation is a good variation to have in the mix. I think when we are playing teams like Liverpool and when we're playing teams like Man City, we know their attacking players are going to be incredibly strong. And the five-three-two gives us a lot of numbers back. It helps to make sure that we're not caught on the counterattack. Uh, there are some times where... Uh, players may get drawn forward, but uh, theoretically, everyone should you know be in a good position uh, to to be back. I think this formation could be uh, decent to go into other games, like maybe a Brighton or an Aston Villa. But um, it, it's a little bit tougher because you don't have the numbers forward, so you really have to rely on your attacking uh, players a lot more. 
Yeah, I think this formation, you know, we saw it back a couple years ago when Moyes first took over the club. He used it, and it really shored up some of the defensive holes we had. But without attackers that can attack individually on their own, sometimes this formation is pretty stagnant offensively. You know, if you if you don't have players that can break down a defense with limited numbers, then oh, you're going to get a lot of zero zero draws, or maybe if you score one, a one zero win, but. A lot of time, it's kind of the definition of parking the bus. It is, and this definitely requires a lot of speed to get your um, defensive players up towards the front. So Fredericks is really good um, in this formation just because he's got the speed to get up there and then get back. I definitely agree with you with that. And I think on the left side, Masuaku as well, if you put him on the left, that's two fairly good attacking fullbacks. So although this formation is pretty defensive, it might fit our team pretty well. Yeah, and I think also we've got uh, some young wingers, as we saw uh, two or three games ago, and Gage making his debut. And, uh, you know, that showed me a lot of promise in terms of speed for the future. Uh, one thing our team does suffer with is speed, uh, like Snodgrass. And even though he's a really good player, sometimes, you know, Zabaleta, too, is the same thing, uh, just a little bit slower. So, you know, I do think it's a situational formation. I think you can't go out there and use this every single week. It does depend on who we're playing. But... Uh, when you're playing like Liverpool and, like I said, Man City, where they have these incredibly uh, you know, sustainable attacking players, I think this is the right formation. Yeah, I think it's definitely something to have uh, useful to have in the bag of tricks, I think, against teams that we're really worried about getting overrun, like Liverpool, like a Man City. It's maybe not a bad formation to go in. and You know, you hate to say you're playing for a draw, but it definitely offers something. Uh, but it's also something you can switch into if you have the right players switch into in the, in the middle of a game if you, you want to protect the lead. I think we might have, you know, if, if we would have had a solid formation like this in the second half of, of the Brighton game, maybe the result would have been a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, let's move on to the 4-5-1. The so 4-5-1, you've got a more defensive players back, but this one is more of a counter-attacking formation. You're really controlling the middle. So uh, this relies on wingers of the midfield coming up and supporting the attack. This one, we tried a little bit variation where we isolate our uh, our striker, and it actually hurt Hilaire just because he's used to having two attacking players, or excuse me, another attacking player up there with him. Um, Chris? Yeah, so... Uh- a little fact about me. One of my second favorite team is actually Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, another friend kind of got me into the team. He lived in Germany for a few years and it was the last few years they've actually had a really good team. And so I was, I was able to see several games of Hilaire before he was transferred to West Ham, which, and he was, he was pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, but one thing they used is, is they never had an isolated attacker. There was always two or three strikers that they played at the top of their formation. And it really kind of unlocked Hilaire for them to not just be a goal scorer he got several goals there but to also be a a real creator to to be able to hold up the ball lay it off to other players and and just kind of contributed to goals not only directly but indirectly as well I think this formation works best uh, for teams like Man City where you really can you know switch the attack really easily and you can just uh, take the ball back if one side isn't working and then work it in the midfield to get another attack going I don't think this is the right formation for West Ham, as we saw with Hilary's isolated. We have good midfielders, but I think we, we need more of an attacking presence. Yeah, I think this maybe doesn't play to, to at least Hilary's strength, uh, maybe not to some other players. I think it could work if we kind of play 
more the variation that almost becomes a 4-3-3 where you have the two wingers very far advanced, uh, especially if someone like Antonio or Bowen's playing. I think this could work, but I don't know if it's quite the best formation for us. You know, that's an, that's an important point too. This formation can be switched up a lot. And uh, one formation I personally think you could switch to is the 3-5-2 where uh, that would work a little bit better for us controlling the midfield, but then also giving Hilaire that support up top. And, you know, now with bringing in Suchek and Abound, we kind of uh, brought in more midfield attacking players, didn't bring in any defenders. So uh, we've got a solid three. Uh, I think you can put Declan in the, the five in the midfield and that could really work out well. Um, count him as a midfielder, but he's still more of a defense player and then allow more players to go up for attack. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I think that that is kind of uh, you're almost taking the the five three two and just making those two fullbacks into into wingers, which I think we have a, a lot of wingers. I think if we got we could play that formation if we got the wingers to commit to come back defensively. I think some some players like I think Snodgrass he he's seen you know, he has a lot of motivation. He'll get back there if we played Antonio on the wing, he would. But if you know if we play for now, or sorry, for now is on the wing. I don't know if he has the ability. I think Anderson, a lot of times, has shown the lack. So I think it, it could work, but it's gonna. It, if we did play that formation, it'd offer us a lot in attack, but it would really take some motivation by by Moyes. So uh, after we've given you a little bit of breakdown and all the different formations, I think Chris and I are going to discuss kind of what we think the strongest team is. Chris, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. So. <clears throat> to me, the strongest team is going to be uh, one where you, you give that support up top by also having a lot of, uh, you know, controlling that midfield. I think we've got, you know, the three-five-two for me would be um, the one to work with. And, uh, you know, I'd put probably Ogbonna, Diop, Balbuena at the, uh, at the back there, obviously uh, starting Fabianski in goal. Um, and then in the midfield, probably start Declan. Now, on the wing, maybe Snodgrass and uh, I kind of like Anderson on the left and Fornals in the in the middle. Um, one thing that would change, though, for me is uh, where to put this the last midfielder because if we're playing an attacking, uh, if we want to really press the attack, then I'd put him up as an attacking midfielder, possibly um, put Suchek and Fornals up there. But if we're playing more defensively, then I might put a, a Noble uh, Noble and Declan or maybe even Suchek and Declan. And then up top, I've got uh, Bowen. I'm really excited to see what he does. I think we need to give him a shot. And then uh, Hilaire. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I like that. That's definitely – I think that's definitely a formation we can play against teams that, that we really want to take it to them, and we're going to go for the three points. That's. I think we got three strong center backs there. You know, we haven't played them a lot altogether, but it could be could be a good solution to solve some of our uh, goal allowance uh issues but that's interesting that you drop all our fullbacks completely but I, I think it could work I like that a lot uh for my formation I think I think our best is going to be kind of a 4-4-2 um in some cases this might even switch to a 4-3-3 and, and you'll kind of see that once I give you the players obviously Fabianski in goal I think that's that's key I, I'd put uh Cresswell on the left I think he's been a little more solid than Masuaku this season I'd go Ogbana and Diop here I could I could put Balbuena in here, but but I think Diop still has more potential we haven't seen. I think I think putting him and Ogbana next to each other would probably be the best pairing we have right now. And you would do that uh, even with some of his defensive mistakes. I I see where you're going with that. What do, what do you think? Yeah, uh, he does. He has made some mental errors that have led to goals this year, and that's that's unexcusable as a center defender. But I still think. 
He's a little faster than Balbuena. He he's a little stronger than Balbuena, and I think he, he does make some good tackles. I think he gambles a little bit at times, but I think I think he's a little better than that than Balbuena at the moment. I'm, I put Fredericks on the right. I think that's a no brainer. Zabaleta just doesn't have the pace to play. And I think one thing that's good is Cresswell and Fredericks can both attack. Yeah, I'd I have agree. kind of two center defense center defensive mids. I think Rice is a no brainer. He's He's one that you want to see playing. And then I'd put Suchek next to him. Uh, Suchek, I think he had good moments going forward, good moments staying back in the, in the, his first game. So I think having him next to Rice to start out, but with the freedom to go forward. My two wingers, this might be a little uh, – might get some pushback from you, but I think uh, I, I'd put Bowen more as a winger at the moment. I think he can definitely play as striker. Uh, but I'd start him out on the winger. That was he played a little more in in Hall, and then I put Fornals on the left. I think Fornals really has the winger is not his strongest position, but he's playing so well at the moment. I I don't think you need to keep. I don't think you should keep him off the field. I think Moyes has been really making mistakes not starting him. And then this goes to the two strikers. I'd put Hilaire and Antonio up top. I think Hilaire really is really good when you have two people with him. Uh, and I think my my uh, ideals when I'm putting this formation together is let's get the best players we can in the best position to succeed. So one thing I was thinking about with the formation is, you know, Antonio doesn't seem to be able to play the whole game. Uh, I definitely see starting him and I was going to use Bowen as the sub. Do you think a jetty is up to speed enough to be able to sub in for Antonio? Or do you think, uh, you know, like we saw last game, the whole thing shifted when Antonio came off the field. So maybe it's worth it just to leave him there and be a little bit slower in the attack, but at least he's on the field. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably start Antonio um, in the striker. I think if you – I'd start Antonio and Bowen. And if you did have to take Antonio off, maybe move Bowen up to that striker role rather than bring on a jetty. Okay. And then I, – because I, I would believe at that point you could bring on ideally an Anderson as a winger. I think he could have a lot of – he hasn't played well this season, but I think he could have a lot of – his pace off the bench could do a lot. Um, and then kind of switching back to uh, – him switching to the wing and Bowen up top. You know, it's interesting too. And neither of our formations, we mentioned Lanzini and me personally, I think it's time uh, for us to sell him. I think, you know, he had a, a decent season when he came, but since then we really haven't seen any improvement when I, he's on the field for me, I'm not seeing any, you know, game changing play from him or really any improvement. Uh, I think for now makes some mistakes, but he's getting better and better and better. Declan's getting better and better and better. Uh, over you on that, Chris. Yeah, I think Lanzini's been a big, a big, big disappointment this season and even last season too. I think he's he's kind of lost that fight. He doesn't seem to want to take players on. He doesn't really want to make runs with the ball. And I think what he's at his best is when he's kind of cutting through either for, either from the left wing or at the number ten position and just being able to to do little through balls to the strikers or taking long shots. But he hasn't seemed like he's wanted to do that. And I think I think the problem's really – he has the skill. It's just the mentality there. And I, I, I think you can say the same thing about Anderson. He has the skill, but at times he looks disinterested. And I think hopefully Moyes can motivate one or both of them to really step up their game and, and put in a little higher work rate. I think that sounds good uh, for defense. We definitely need to get some defensive mistakes uh, ironed out for these games going ahead. You know, right now we're technically in the relegation zone and that's not good, uh, especially when we should have had three points against Brighton. 
Yeah, I think we definitely have left some points on the table. One more thing I want to mention about both our teams is my team, I completely uh, left out Noble, and I, I think he has been missing missing some opportunities. I think I don't think he's playing as well. And even you, you didn't have him, I think, in the whole lineup. You said he may be, if we're playing more defensively, to have him in. Right. But I think I still value Mark's presence in the locker room, and I think he still can play some games for us, but – I think we've hit the time that our best 11 might be the 11 that he's not in it. I agree. I think if you look at, you know, his presence on the field, while he is a leader on the field, he also is not able to either commit to a defense or an attack, but not both. And Antonio commits to both when he's playing wing or, you know, Fredericks, for instance, I mean, he's, you know, a fullback and he comes up and commits to an attack and then gets back for the defense. So you need players like that. Declan too. Declan is in almost every attack and then can get back for defense. And Noble just doesn't have the speed. Uh, I think he's a, a good player, obviously, but uh, I agree. I think he's more of a, a sub these days, but, and, and that's no, nothing against him, but just, you know, age. Yeah. So there's our best teams we think going forward. And next up, we're going to give a little look ahead to Liverpool, what we like about them and uh, how we should set up and maybe see our predictions as well. Hello and welcome back to Green Eggs and West Ham. Uh, right now we're covering our final section on the week, uh, week ahead in Liverpool. We've got coming up this weekend uh, and, and it was, you know, 127 year old club. So it's a very old club. Uh, they're actually owned by Americans, and they're huge. Their biggest rivals are Man United. Um, and, th- you know, they're rated as the eighth most valuable club, which enables them to bring in a lot of good players and a really good manager. Uh, Chris, why don't you take us through what kind of manager they have right there? Yeah, Jurgen Klopp's really put his impression on this team. Uh, I, I know we kind of talked about last week when we were looking forward to uh, Pep Guardiola. I think the the impact that Pep had on Man City, Jurgen's had is uh, just as strong an impact on Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool had kind of been floundering around a little bit, couldn't really find their their manager to take him to the next level. And and Klopp's done a fantastic job. It was he's really he came from Borussia Dortmund. He did a, a lot of work, great work there. He brought in some good players there. He, you know, they didn't have as much money in the Bundesliga as teams like Bayern, but they fought well and they had some great results uh, and some great league finishes. I, I, I think Klopp. Klopp is a real strength of their team. I think the difference between a team that fights for a Champions League and a team that fights for the Premier League is not the difference in players, but it's the difference in manager. I think, you know, Man City, Tottenham, their players are as good as Man City and Liverpool, but their managers don't really get the most out of them. And I think with Klopp, we see he really gets the most out of his players and the players seem to have fun playing with them. Yeah, I think you can just look at the results and see, you know, what kind of manager he is. Um, total uh, over the total course of their history, they've won the Champions League six times. But in recent history, they've won four out of our last five meetings with them, and the only game they didn't win was a tie. Uh, that's that's tough to play, and especially we're going, you know, it's a away game. Uh, their fans are into it, and I I think this is going to be a really tough game. But we, I think for at best, we can hope for a tie. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough for us. They they've obviously won a lot of the last games. They beat us, you know, just about a few weeks ago. And and I think that we played well, but they just have a lot of skill, and it's going to be tough to get any sort of result. I think a couple of players you really got to look out for. Mo Salah, he's 
just a fantastic winger, fantastic attacker, scores a lot of goals. And I also think um, Virgil van Dyke's another player. He's one of, if not the best defenders in the world. And I think we're going to have a tough time breaking down that deep back line. Yeah, I think on the attack, you know, I really wish we had Salah in our team. I think uh, Anderson is kind of the, I want to say he's not the same player as Salah, but he kind of fills that role where he goes in and out. And uh, however, Salah's scoring the goals, Salah's giving, getting and giving the service. I mean, he he is an incredible player. And I think he's the player that we hoped for in Anderson. I think Anderson hasn't, you know, necessarily lived up to those hopes. But um, another one too is Chamberlain. Uh, what a strong attacker. Um, he's, he also is receiving service. And as soon as he gets that service, you know, when the ball's at his feet, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he definitely can dominate the midfield. I think that's going to be, you know, there's not a weak point in this team. Their defense is so good. They have a very pacey midfield that could give us big fits and their attackers are world-class. So I think that's going to be very tough. You talk about the attackers being world-class, and if you, com- you can see that in the stats. I mean, Liverpool scored 60 goals this season compared to our 30. But double the amount of goals, you know. And I would say we have a decent team, but Liverpool's, I mean, every single player, every single position is insane. Um, so, Chris, what, what's your prediction for this game? Ideally, I'd say we could get a draw, but I don't think that's the case. I think we... I think the new blood in Bowen could get us a goal. So I think it's going to be one, three them. Okay. I would go with probably a two zero. I think we held him last time pretty well, you know, with Suchek, uh, he's more of a defensive player, even though last time uh, for the first half, we didn't play him as a defensive player. I think he could add a lot. And then Bowen could create some time, uh, time up in attack and help us hold the ball a little bit more. Um, so I could see two zero. Yeah, I think the key to getting a result here is just don't play scared. We have to go out and fight. We have to fight for a result. Um, it's going to be tough, and uh, that kind of concludes our, our look at the game. But we do want to talk about a little bit another event that is going to go on on the same day, and that's the the protest scheduled against the board on February 29th put on by Hammers United. I know we've talked about a lot of the – the disgruntlement and the fans against the board and, and Chris, you and I share a little bit of that, even though our perspective's a little different. I think Hammers United is different than the other, uh, the other organizations that have come out in the past trying to put on a protest against the board. I think Hammers United really do want some constructive change. They, they have offered a lot of opportunities for the, for the board to respond. And sadly they, they, they haven't seen the response they wanted and they, they're scheduling a protest on that day. You know, so obviously this being my first season with West Ham, I didn't get to see what their protests were like before. I've heard discussions that maybe they didn't go about the right way or just wasn't as effective. But this year, I tell you what, I am seeing a huge uh, impact just in terms of the way what I'm reading about. And, you know, I'm not even there. I'm not experiencing it live or anything. So I, I... it looks like they're doing it the right way. Um, I, you know, I think we'll right now just want to it's just current news so we want to just uh we don't provide too much analysis on it but we definitely want to mention it because uh, it's affecting west ham yeah and i think uh one thing that i think they do well and i think all west ham fans can do well is even though they're upset at the board as a lot of us are they're they're really trying to keep it away from affecting the on pitch 
performances. They, they're still – they're very clearly behind the manager, very clearly behind the players. And I think you and I are the same way. We we have our problems with David Gold and David Sullivan and especially Karen Brady. But when the game kicks off, we're cheering as hard as we can. And I think that's important for all West Ham fans to do. Uh, so the Liverpool game is in uh, two weeks and Monday, February 24th at uh, 2 p.m. Central time, which is an evening game in England. It's a way for West Ham. And personally, I would play a 3-5-2, uh, have, you know, maybe even um, a 5-3-2 just really park in the bus. I believe it's going to be important for us to get the counterattack when they make a mistake and commit too many players forward. I think if you commit – for us, too many players forward in the formation, it's really going to hurt us because our defense is going to suffer. You know, they've torn apart defenses in the past uh, who have tried to play them kind of with a more, uh, you know, central central formation instead of having a lot of players back. And especially with our defensive mistakes last game, it's going to be important for us to stack numbers behind and hopefully catch them on the counter. Yeah, I, I think definitely we need we're going to need to my key to, to getting a result is to press and to fight them. I think if we can disrupt them, get them off the ball a little bit and maybe, maybe take the ball in an advantage, like a good position and, and get a good counterattack goal. Like you said, I think that that'll be the key to nick a result. And so that concludes our, our show. Uh, I think we're hoping for a, uh, for a result. Uh, you know, Liverpool has drawn one time this year. So I, I, I think getting it, a positive result of three points out of this is going to be tough, but we can definitely, uh, definitely do a tie. Um, so please, uh, please reach out to us on Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify. We're on a lot of the podcast, all the major podcast platforms now. And um, we also have a website, greeneggsandwestham.wix.com. Please visit that. And that I thank you for joining us.